it's good to see all of you tonight. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, we are moving on tonight from uh, the series that we were in for, it seemed like five weeks there. Uh, and so tonight we are beginning a brand new series. But before we do that, uh, I, I think I would be remiss if I did not mention the significance of today. Uh, normally, uh, I know a couple of y'all already asked if we were going or not, um, but today is Ash Wednesday. Uh, and normally we do, we find ourselves, uh, instead of having a message and worship, we find ourselves going over to the sanctuary for the Ash Wednesday service. Uh, we were going to do that this year, but um, it seemed over the past couple years that 45 minutes was about the cap of the capacity that we had for the service. And uh, it was going to be a two-hour live stream service this week. And so uh, as we were thinking through what Ash Wednesday was going to look like for the youth group, we, we decided this year that we were going to just do a normal night of youth uh, just because we thought that you would get the most out of this tonight instead of sitting through a two-hour live stream service. So tonight we are beginning our new series uh, that we will go through over the next four weeks. Uh, I know a lot of times when February hits, students automatically think, as been, has, has been tradition in years past, of, oh, the youth pastor is about to do a relationship series. The youth group is about to talk about love and dating and, oh, why we shouldn't date, why we need to wait. And if we were a stereotypical youth group, we might do that, but we're not going to. Uh, so we are not doing a relationship series in February, which I'm sure many of you are just so thrilled and so, or some of you just so upset to hear that you don't get a relationship series in February. But don't worry, it'll still come some other time uh, in the year. But tonight we are starting a new series called Pathway to Peace. Pathway to Peace. Uh, and if you recall last semester, we, we went chapter by chapter through the book of James. And so for this series, uh, we're going to go chapter by chapter through the book of Philippians. And I just want to kind of give you some context uh, about what the book of Philippians is. That way, as, as we begin to read through this book, we will read every word of the book of Philippians. So after this four-week series, if you're here four weeks, you can check off another book of the Bible that you will have read through completely, cover to cover. Uh, but I want to give you some context so that as we read the words that Paul is writing, you, you'll kind of understand where he's coming from and what he's really saying. Okay, and so the book of Philippians was a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. Uh, and as Paul is writing this letter, he's not just writing it from his house or, or even in, in a city. He's writing it from prison. Okay, Paul is in chains in Rome. He's in a Roman prison. They've arrested him because of his faith. And really, Paul's future at this point is very, very uncertain. Paul does not know what the next day is going to hold for him, if he's going to continue breathing the next day, if we're just being honest. Paul was in a moment of his life where his future was completely uncertain. Paul's major question that he had to have been thinking in his mind is, what are the Romans going to do with me? Because surely they're not just going to keep me in this prison cell much longer. What does my future hold? But what, what we'll see as we read through Paul's words in, in the book of Philippians is that even though Paul's future is incredibly uncertain, even though it, it's really unclear what his future holds and he's sitting in a prison cell unsure 
what's going to happen to him the next day, Paul really seems to have contentment. He really seems to have peace. He, he, he doesn't seem to really be worried about the future, right? Like, if I think of myself, if I was in a Roman uh, prison, like, like if you think a, a, a Roman prison at that time, like, if you think of, like, a dungeon of a castle, like, in a, a fairy tale, and they're chained up, like, that's probably the type of prison he was in. Rock walls, deep down, underground, no sunlight, right? It's probably cold and wet, right? Like, if I was in his shoes, or in his chains, I would probably be very uncertain. I would not have peace about what tomorrow held. I, I'd probably be very worried, as most of us would be. But Paul here seems to be content. He seems to have this peace about himself. He doesn't seem to be too worried. Now, a lot of times when we think about peace, we think about peace in terms of our relationships with others. We, we think about it of countries having peace with one another. They're not fighting, right? You remember uh, probably a couple months ago, if you paid attention to what was happening, there are a bunch of countries in the Middle East that made a peace deal, a peace treaty, and they just said, hey, we're going to stop being rude to each other, and we're going to stop fighting. But we also see it with no war. We see it with not being disturbed, right? If you want to be at peace or you want to have peace yourself, you just want people to kind of leave you alone and, and you don't want to be disturbed. Or, or you think of going to a quiet place and, and maybe sitting by still water, or I don't know. But peace, we typically associate with our relationships with others and it's a lack of disturbance, a lack of noise. But a lot of times, I think while we focus heavily on peace with others and the relationships around us, we don't always think about inner peace with ourselves or, or, or contentment with ourselves. And I, and I think a lot of what Paul talks about here in the book of Philippians deals with this concept of having peace within myself being content with where I'm at in, in the stage of life that I'm in with what's going on in my life, even though things may not be going my way, I'm still content with where I'm at. And what's interesting, as we'll, we'll see reading the book of Philippians, is Paul doesn't just say, hey, here's how you find peace. Right? It's not just one, the book of Philippians isn't just one big conversation on, hey, this is what peace is, this is what it looks like, this is how you have peace. Rather, it's it's four conversations. If you look at the, the book of Philippians as four conversations, each chapter being a, a conversation that says, hey, if you will live like this, you will start down the pathway to finding peace. Right? If as we read this, you look at it going, okay, like maybe he's not saying, hey, here, this is exactly how you find peace, but you look at it as he's saying, if you will do this, you will begin to find peace peace and you'll begin to find peace within yourself. And so as we start out tonight, I want us to, to read Philippians chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and flip there. It's after the book of Ephesians. We're going to read all of Philippians 1 and then I'll recap it some. And as we go through each point, we'll reread the associated verses that go with that. It's going to be on the screen for you as well. And if you want to write it down, please feel free to. Here's what it says. Uh, this is what Paul writes to the church of Philippi. It says, This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. 
I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you. For you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice. And I will continue to rejoice, for I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will, I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Above all, you must all live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved, even by God himself. 
For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. And so here again, we see Paul is in a Roman prison. He is writing this book to the Philippians. And really what I think here, when we look at what Paul writes, and we look at the, the, the way his life is being portrayed here, he really gives us a model, I think, that suggests how we can find peace. I think here through his life uh, and through the way that he is living in prison here, we can really see through his life that the key, one of the keys to finding peace is through being a representative of Christ. Because here, Paul, it didn't matter if he was in prison or not, Paul was consistently a, a representative of Christ. And I fully believe that because he recognized that being a, he needed to constantly be a representative of Christ, that he began to find this peace. Now, if we're going to talk tonight about being a representative of Christ and how that leads us to finding contentment and peace within our lives, I think first we need to break down what a representative is and specifically what a representative of Christ is. A representative, you may know simply what a representative is. It's someone or something that serves as a portrayal of someone or something else, right? There are representatives, like if you just walk through... I don't know, like uh, when you get to high school, high schoolers, you'll know what I'm talking about. Like colleges will send college representatives to your school to kind of tell you about the school and be the face of the school to you, okay? And, and so a representative is simply just someone who serves as a portrayal or something that serves as a portrayal for someone or something else. Now, when it comes to being a representative of Christ and a representative for Christ, it means we are tasked with portraying Christ to the world. That is your job. As a disciple of Christ, as a representative of Christ, you are tasked with portraying Jesus Christ to the world. Now, to me, that kind of feels like a heavy task. To me, that kind of feels like a, a task that carries a lot of weight. Because if I, as a representative, if Nathan, as a representative of Christ, is tasked with portraying Christ to the world, that means everything I do is seen as a representation of Christ. To an unbeliever looking at Nathan and knows I'm a believer, Regardless of what I do, they are going to associate what I do as a representation of the gospel. And so it carries a lot of weight. And what it ultimately boils down to in portraying Christ to the world is you are to represent Christ. Right? If we break down represent, you can break it down to just representing Christ to the world. If you want to know how to be a representative of Christ, just look at how Christ lived and do the same thing. Right? You can look at how Christ treated other people and do the same thing. If you're questioning how you should treat someone, you can look and see that Christ always treated people with love and respect and know that if I'm going to represent Christ to that person, I should be treating them with the same attitude. 
But how are we to do this? How are we to be representatives of Christ to the world? I, I think when we look at the life of Paul in Philippians 1, there, we can find three ways or three characteristics when it comes to the type of representatives that we should be of Christ. And the first one is this. We should be constant representatives. When it comes to us being representatives of Christ, we have to be constant representatives. We see this in in Philippians 1, verse 12 through 14. I'm going to read it again for you. It's going to be on the screen. Here's what it says. Now, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. So again, here we see Paul, he, he's imprisoned in Rome. He's sitting in a prison, prison cell in chains, but he's not sitting around feeling sorry for himself. He is choosing in his chain, in, in his imprisonment, to still represent God and share the gospel. And I think that is very powerful. Here you have someone who could just throw in the towel, feel sorry for himself, and say, my life is over, I'm never getting out of prison. And say, what good does it do for me to continue sharing the gospel? What what difference is it going to make? But Paul didn't look at it that way. He looked at it as another opportunity each day that he was in prison, another opportunity for him to share the gospel. And I just want to ask you a question. What prison do you find yourself in? What prison do you find yourself in? What chains do you find yourself being weighed down by? Uh, A simpler way of asking that is what bad, hard, difficult situations do you find yourself in? Because no matter how hard we try, we're always going to walk through these situations. We're always going to walk through them. But the question that goes with that isn't just what situation do you find yourself in? Because Paul could easily answer that with, I'm in prison. But there was another question that we see associated with this is, how are you going to respond? Okay, you're in, you're in a difficult spot. How are you going to respond in that moment? I want to give you a, a personal example. I, I, I can think back to middle school, high school, and I, I can remember many times when Man, I really desired to be, you know, run with the popular kids, whatever. And I can remember wanting to be friends with, with different people and feeling that sense of rejection or, or being on the fringe or, or, or them not really wanting to be friends with me. And that really hurt. And so there was a period in middle school and high school where I didn't really feel like I fit in. I didn't really feel like I had a friend group. And that to me, like you may have experienced this in middle or high school, it, it kind of just sucks. Right? It's kind of a hard spot to find yourself in. Or, or I can look back to when my parents were going through a divorce, which was a very hard and difficult situation for me. And still to this day, sometimes it's difficult for me to walk through. Or I can think about when I was in 8th and ninth grade and I struggled with depression and self-worth. All of these were difficult situations for me to walk in and live in, But the question wasn't just, Nathan, what situation do you find yourself in? The most important question in those situations was, how are you going to respond? You're in these situations. You can't change it. 
but how are you going to respond? Because that's what's going to make the difference. And I feel like a lot of times I've found myself either mad at God, rejecting God, turning my back to God, instead of trying to figure out, hey, how can I make the most of this situation? Hey, yeah, I, I'm walking through a tough time, a difficult time in my life, but how can I still find a way to share the gospel? How can I still find a way to represent Christ? Because even when we look at Christ, when we look at the life of Christ, his life was no easy walk in the park. The dude spent 40 days and 40 nights in the desert being tempted by Satan, but he still managed to represent God. The dude was crucified. Jesus was crucified went through beatings and carried his cross, the full cross, and was crucified, but he still represented God. When when people tortured him and and ultimately were killing him, what was his response? How did he respond? He goes, I'm going to represent God. Father, I forgive them. Father, I forgive them. And so the, the, the question here that we have to ask ourselves is, how are we going to respond? Because in the difficult times in our life, we have a choice to make. We can either throw a pity party for ourselves, which is how a lot of times what a lot of times we're inclined to do, or we can say, "Hey, I, I'm going to represent Christ, and I'm going to acknowledge the pain and the difficulty that I'm going I'm walking through right now, but I'm still going to find a way to represent Christ and all that I do and all that I say and I." I mean, I I think that Paul just really understood this. I think that Paul really understood this. You you see him literally representing Christ in prison. And I I think he represented Christ in prison because he understood this. I think he understood that being a representative of Christ is a full time commitment. Being a representative of Christ is a full time commitment. You know, I think that he knew. That even though the situation he found himself in was bad, that God was still good. I think that's how he was able to look at this situation that he found himself in and still make the decision to represent Christ in all that he did. And I think understanding that God was still good despite the situation he found himself in gave him something called hope. Something called hope. And when you have the hope When you find and experience the hope that Christ offers us, when you experience that, it's not just something that you want to keep to yourself. It's something that you want to share. It's something that you can't contain. It's something that when you look at uh, another person next to you going through a similar situation, you say, hey, I know you're struggling. Here's the answer. Here's the solution. Here is the life that you're looking for, the hope that you're looking and searching for. And I think when we look at Paul, we we see that he had this hope because he wanted to share this hope. Even so much that it says in Philippians 1.13 that the whole entire palace guard was saved because of Paul. Just think about that for a minute. The people that were imprisoning Paul, who were keeping him in prison, who were torturing him in prison, came to know Christ because Paul was representing Christ to them. Now that's a full-time commitment. 
That's a full-time commitment. And I think Paul also understood that representing Christ is not limited. Representing Christ is not limited to certain circumstances or people. There are no confines to who Christ has called us to share the good news to. There are no circumstances in which Christ has said, hey, if you find yourself in this situation, it's okay not to represent me. It's okay. Just forget about it. Just live your life. Uh, Paul fully understood that it it was a full-time commitment and there were no limitations around that. Let me tell you something. There is something about constantly sharing the love of Christ that will bring you peace. When you are focused fully and constantly full-time on the love of Christ, that will bring you peace. That will bring you peace. Because if that is your focus, you're not focused on the hate of the world, the sin of the world. You're focused on Christ. And we know Christ to be the Prince of Peace. And so it should be no surprise to us that if we want to find peace, that we have to keep our focus on Christ. If we want to find peace, why don't we represent the Prince of Peace and do it every moment of our life? Now, just as a side note, if you want to represent Christ full time, know that it starts not with you just representing him in the hard times, but representing him in the easier times. You've got to be willing to represent Christ in the easier times if you want to represent him in the more difficult times. And I think you as students uh, find yourselves in positions where you find it difficult to represent him in the easier times. And I think that as, as we continue to look here at the book of Philippians, we're going to see why maybe it's difficult for us to represent Christ in the good times. The second characteristic that I think Paul models to us when it comes to being representatives of Christ is that we are to be unashamed representatives. Unashamed representatives. Here's what it says in Philippians 1, 20 through 26. Paul says, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. I just want you to focus on those words. Focus on those words because Paul here is showing clearly that he is unashamed of the gospel. He says, I will never be ashamed. I will continue to be bold. Continuing in verse 22. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. When I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he's doing in me. See, Paul was committed to sharing the gospel. But he was committed to sharing the gospel no matter what other people thought of him. 
didn't matter what other people thought about him. Other people's opinions landed him in prison. Okay, it clearly didn't matter to Paul. Great, your, your opinions landed me in prison. I'm still going to share the gospel. That's, that was Paul's motto. Your opinions cannot stop me from sharing the gospel. He was unashamed of his relationship with Christ. I'll ask you a question. Are you ashamed? Are you ashamed? I just want to honestly ask you, are you ashamed? Are you ashamed to represent Christ at school? I think that's a question that you need to honestly ask yourself. Are you ashamed? Are you embarrassed to represent Christ at school? Are you ashamed uh, to represent Christ at home? Uh, Another question that might surprise you is, are you ashamed to represent Christ at church? And I think that's a question we honestly need to ask ourselves. Are you ashamed to represent Christ at church? And why? Why are you ashamed? Are you ashamed because you're afraid of what other people are going to think about you? Are you ashamed uh, or, or scared of, of their opinions that pe- maybe people won't think you're cool or they'll label you the Jesus girl or the Jesus freak or that Christian or the Bible beater? Or like, do, do other people's opinions really mean that much to you that you're unwilling to share the gospel with other people consistently and constantly. See, see, here's the thing, okay? Jesus was unashamed of you. Jesus was unashamed of you. Jesus was unashamed of you to the point that he died for you. He died for you because he was unashamed of you. See, Paul was unashamed of Christ, so he went to prison for Christ. But a lot of times I think we find ourselves holding back from representing Christ because we're too scared of someone else's opinion. We're too scared about what the person next to us thinks. Other people's opinions matter more to us than the sacrifice that Christ gave to us on the cross. And that, to me, just seems a little backwards. If someone died for you, you would think that that sacrifice would mean more to you than the opinion, the temporary opinion of the person sitting next to you. But for some reason, sometimes I think we find ourselves afraid. Jesus wasn't afraid. Paul was not afraid of going to prison, but we are afraid of opinions. And I think we honestly just need to look at ourselves and ask, like, why am I ashamed? Why do I hold back from representing Christ in everything that I do? When I go to school, am I representing Christ constantly? Or am I ashamed? Am I scared? Am I scared to be a representative of Christ? And see, the two go hand in hand because... Since representatives of Christ are constant, they also have to be unashamed. If you are unashamed, then you are a constant representative. 
But if you are scared and you hold back at all, then you therefore are not a constant representative of Christ. If you walk through a day and there was one moment in your day where you did not represent Christ and you were not a constant representative of Christ that day, that's just the truth. And so if we are going to be constant disciples, constant representatives, then we also have to be unashamed. Let me ask you about this. Right, like as a representative of Christ, our task is to portray Christ, to show Christ to the world. Now, if, if a representative of, I don't know, whatever, uh, maybe it's an Xbox, came up and said, Hey, man, I, I'd really like to sell you this Xbox, but I really just think it's a terrible Xbox. I, I, like, I don't, I don't like it. I'm kind of even a little ashamed to be offering this to you because I think PlayStation's way better. Would you be inclined to take that? Probably not, right? If someone was offering you something that they were ashamed of, you would not be inclined to receive it. And so as representatives of of Christ, we have to be unashamed because if I'm going up to someone who doesn't know the love of Christ, I'm like, they're like, oh, so you believe in Christ? I'm like, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. And I'm not bold in my faith as Paul describes, why on earth, why on earth would they be convinced to follow Christ, to explore the love that Christ has for them? Let me give you another story. This past week I was walking in Target and I was walking back past like the cell phones and and the electronics section and this lady was standing back there. She obviously didn't work at Target. And she said, hey, to me, and I forget what she said, but it was like really weird. Oh, uh, she, she just said, how are you doing? And I said, good. And she goes, awesome possum. And I was like, what did you just say? And she goes, do you have a second? And I was like, uh, I guess. And I'm just really bad at saying no to people who, who are trying to sell me something. But she had this like, I don't know. I think she was trying to offer me a new phone plan, and it was just atrocious. But let me tell you, she was unashamed to try to sell me this piece of garbage, right? And, and she, she was very convincing with it. But if she had pulled me over and goes, all right, let me offer you this. It kind of stinks, but, you know, why don't you sign up for it? It would have made it a lot easier for me to walk away. And so as a representative of Christ, you have to be unashamed. You have to be bold. Because whether or not you realize it, people are watching you. People are watching you. And if you label yourself as a disciple of Christ, a representative of Christ, you need to be bold in that. You need to be bold in that. Because people will see how you carry yourself. If you are unashamed to be a disciple of Christ and you're willing to show that to the world, People will begin to ask, hey, why, why are you so unashamed of following Christ when everyone makes fun of you for it? Like, what is it? What is it about this Jesus guy that makes you just stick to it so often and, and consistently? Even though people make fun of you behind your backs and talk about you, like, why? And that happens. Believe it or not, that happens. People see that. 
And so uh, Paul completely models here that we have to be unashamed representatives. The, the final aspect of being a representative that I think Paul conveys to us is that we have to be accurate representatives. You have to be an accurate representative. And we see this in Philippians 1, 27 through 30. Here's what it says. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I am still in the midst of it. So Paul here shows us that we have to be accurate representatives. Now, to me, this is a common sense point. Maybe it's not, but I feel like this should just be a common sense point. That you, if you are going to be a representative of Christ, you actually have to live for Christ. That you actually have to live as Christ has called you to live. That means that what the Bible says, you have to live it out. That you can't just take scripture and go, eh, I don't like this. I'm going to live the way I want. That, that's not really what a representative is. If you're a representative, you're representing that person. So as a representative of Christ, we are representing Christ and how he lived and what he's told us. And so if you want to be a representative of Christ, you actually have to live in a way that represents Christ. Go figure. And how can you represent Christ if, if you are unwilling to live how he's asked us to live? Let me key you in on something. When we live how we want to live, the only person we are representing is ourselves. When Robert lives the way that Robert wants to live, the only person Robert is representing is himself, is Robert. When Grace lives the way that Grace wants to live, the only person Grace is representing is Grace. You're not representing Christ, you're representing yourself. You're living the way that you have told yourself, hey, I'm going to live. If you're not living the way Christ has told you to live, you, there's no way that you could physically represent Christ. It'd be like a Verizon employee dressing up in AT&T gear saying, I represent Verizon. It doesn't, it doesn't work. You can't dress yourself up and live the way you want to live and say, I'm living for Christ. You're not, you're living for yourself. You can't call an apple an orange. It, it just, no matter how hard you try, it doesn't work. And it doesn't make a difference what you say. You can call it whatever you want, but that doesn't mean that that's what it is. You can say you're living for Christ, but that doesn't mean that's what you're doing. You have to back up your words with action. See, Christ lived every day representing God the Father. And everything Christ did, he represented the Father. He represented the Father in his death and throughout his whole entire life. Paul, in prison, represented Christ. He lived for Christ. And again, this requires you to be constant 
and unashamed. Like I said, uh, Christians really struggle with this. Christians, right? Again, it doesn't matter what you label yourself. A Christian is a representative of Christ. A Christian is a representative of Christ. And the cross represents Christ. So let me challenge you on something. If you're not living for Christ, please stop calling yourself a Christian. Please. If you're not willing to live how Christ calls us to live, please stop calling yourself a Christian. Please. And for whatever reason, cross necklaces have become really fashionable. But let me ask you another favor. If you're not willing to represent Christ, please take it off. Please take it off. Because the cross represents Christ. It should be a symbol of those who are also representing Christ. And if you don't want to represent Christ, that's your prerogative, but don't call yourself a Christian. Please. Because you make it a lot harder and you misrepresent everyone else that is actually trying to represent Christ. See, misrepresentation is one of the biggest problems that Christians face in the church. It's one of the biggest problems of the church is misrepresentation. It happens all the time. People who call themselves a Christian say, I'm representing Christ, but their actions say something completely different. If you're not going to love and respect all people, that's your decision. But I'm telling you, you're not a representative of Christ. So please don't walk into that situation saying, I'm not a Christian or saying that you are a Christian. Maybe clarify walking into that situation that, hey, I'm not living for Christ. I hate you. <laughs> but it's just, if we're going to live lives compatible with Christ, then, then that's great. And we should assume what comes with that. Christians are representatives, and the cross represents Christ. And I'll just end with saying this, that if we are not willing to, to represent Christ, if we're not willing to love others, live how Christ calls us, then we need to realize that the only person we're representing is ourselves. That's all it is. It boils down to that. It boils down to that, that if, if you're not willing to love others and live how Christ has commanded us to live, asked us to live, then make a fancy term for what it means to be a representative of yourself because that's what you are you know while being a, a representative of Christ Paul clearly shows that there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with it it's not an easy journey to represent Christ and, and Jesus doesn't portray that being a representative of Christ is an easy task Jesus is very clear that hey th this is not something easy like Jesus clearly says, hey, people are going to make fun of you. People are going to persecute you. It's going to be a difficult journey. But the reward at the end of that journey is something that is very great. Very great. And it is. It's hard to be a constant representative, an unashamed representative. And it's hard to be an accurate representative every moment of your life. But that is what Paul shows us. Is the beginning of walking down the pathway to finding peace. 
And so if you want to find peace, then you need to practice being a representative of Christ. And I do, I promise you that if you will focus on being a representative of Christ, you will find peace in your life. You will find contentment with where you're at, even in the midst of difficult situations. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for this evening. Just a time that we can come together and spend time worshiping your name, Lord, and digging into your word. Lord, I thank you for, for people like Paul who have gone before us and showed us truly what it means to live for you in, in every aspect of our lives. Lord, I thank you that we do have examples of how we can live, how we should live in times of struggle. Lord, I thank you that when we find ourselves in times of struggle, Lord, when, when maybe we're being made fun of, Lord, that we can look back to the life of Paul and see that even though people's opinions landed Paul in prison, he was still unashamed. He still didn't give in. He was still constant. And he accurately depicted you in every part of his life. Lord, help us. Help us to be those types of representatives. Help us to represent you to the world the way that you've asked us to. Not the way that we want to, but the way that you've asked us to. Help us to realize the difference there. Lord, give us courage. Lord, give these students courage. Give them boldness. Help them to be unashamed. Lord, I know it is no easy task to, to walk through middle school and high school and, and not care about other people's opinions. It almost seems like that's not possible. But Lord, it, it is possible with you. It is possible. It may not seem possible to us, but with you it is. So Lord, give these students courage. Give them boldness. Help them to be unashamed. And Lord, I pray that as they represent you, Lord, that people would be drawn to them that people would see their faith and begin to question why they have faith. And Lord, that through them, through their difficulties, Lord, they would lead others to you. Lord, I thank you for these students. I thank you for the love that you have for them. Lord, I realize that not every person in this room knows the love that you have. There are students in this room that are hurting, that don't feel worth it, who think maybe the world would be better off without them. Or there are students in this room who their home life isn't what they'd like it to be. There's students in this room who are mad at you, who blame you for things that have happened in their lives. There's students here that are hurting. Lord, I pray that you just bring them the comfort and the healing and the peace that they need. Lord, help them to realize that you've not left them 
you walking right there with them. Lord, help them to to realize how much you truly do love them. Lord, I pray as we go through the rest of this night, Lord, that you would, you would encourage us not just to hear your word, but to live your word. Lord, I pray that the words that you speak to us wouldn't just sit in our head, but would flow into our heart and change the way that we live. Lord, I thank you that each day, Lord, you've blessed us with an opportunity to share your word. And I thank you that you have called us and you allow us to be a part of your mission to redeem the world. Lord, I love you. Hey everyone, this is Nathan Sell, the youth pastor at Destin United Methodist Church. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My prayer is that the Lord would use this podcast as an opportunity to speak life into you. I hope all of you know the love that the Lord has for you and that you are experiencing His blessings each and every day. God bless you and thank you for listening.